Welcome back to the Break the Results Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Miller, alongside my co-host, Luke Mastercerio. In today's episode, we're going to break down the simple steps that you're going to need in order so that anyone can start a transformation journey. We're going to talk about how to identify a good starting point, overeating and undereating, figuring out those confusing things called macros, and be able to give you a step-by-step instruction that you can use today to get started. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So today, Luke and I want to give you a step-by-step process that you can follow to get the ball rolling with your own transformation journey. The kind of inspiration for this episode really came from a lot of people in the past that have applied to work with us. And the reality is we really want to give everybody some type of avenue and resource that you can follow step-by-step that anybody can start today and give you some real action steps that even if you don't have a coach or maybe you had a coach and you decided to go out on your own, just to make sure, you know, even if it's just checking how you're doing, and just to go through and be like, okay, it's time for me. You know, I want to feel a little bit better uh, about, about myself. I want to look a little better. I want to feel healthier, but I just don't know where to start. And the purpose of today's episode is just to give you that starting point. So, you know, that was kind of our inspiration for making this. And then we ran it by a couple of clients and everybody thought it would be a fantastic idea. So I'm really hoping that you guys get a lot of value out of this episode. So the first thing that we have to establish is a starting line. You really can't run a race without having somewhere to start. Does that kind of make sense? So the first thing that we're going to really need to look at is dieting shouldn't be forever. It shouldn't be something that you do for the rest of your life. And that should be something that is sustainable and something that you can pretty much do that's not going to completely you know, alter or dramatically change your lifestyle. So I think the biggest thing is remembering that if you're trying or if you're trying to go on a transformation journey, that it should be a marathon and not a short term series of sprints. And we're going to kind of go into kind of what that means. So the first thing that we're going to look at is really establishing your nutrition goals. How many calories should you be eating? What should you be eating? Super common question. So we're going to dive into it a little bit. So really, Luke, with a lot of new clients that we have that come in or even people that you've seen that have asked you questions on social media uh, before we kind of dive into these these action steps a little bit. What do you think are some of the things that people see as far as, you know, a misconception with just just kind of having like paralysis by analysis, right? Looking at what they need to do. And there's so many different types of diets out there and just people getting overwhelmed to figuring out where to start. So kind of what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I feel like a lot of people are sort of in the there's so much information out there and there has been for years and it's uh, always constantly changing. I know the way that I was or the way that like my parents or people older than me learned about like nutrition and everything like that is a lot different from the way that I know about nutrition and what's on the internet now for me. I know that like you always mentioned like beach body and stuff like that and just mm-hmm. all the different information that's been put out through the years, it's almost really hard for people to dissect and find out what's true and what isn't and what they should actually do on their own. Yeah, no, and, and I again, man, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. So. The biggest thing that you guys have to realize with no matter what you're looking at, no matter the dieting program, if it's a company or it's something you find on the internet, you know, each diet has a specific purpose, obviously, depending on your goal. But if your goal is like weight loss or to get a little healthier, um, lose fat, you know, some things like that. If you look at most of the diets, the overall goal of them is going to be a simple calorie deficit over time. And doesn't matter, again, what you pick, they may go about it different ways. They may use different products and paired with food, or they may give you your, you know, like they may just do the food for you, like Nutrisystem, right? But the overall goal is to put you in a calorie deficit over a certain period of time. And that's something that I just want to clear up right now, no matter what diet you're doing, that's pretty much the design of it. If your goal is for like weight loss and fat loss. Now, again, we're going to go into some different types of goals, 
But that's the biggest thing that I want to cover just to kind of disband that myth out there that that's pretty much all they're doing. Okay. So like I said, the first thing that we want to look at is establishing your nutrition goals. So we want to establish number one, if you are overeating calories or you're under eating calories, and we're going to dive into a little bit about what that means in a little bit more detail, but it can dramatically impact your results. Cause obviously, you know, at surface level, if you say, well, yeah, I'm under eating calories because I'm in a deficit, you would technically be correct. But there is a component of under eating that can actually be damaging. And we're going to, again, get into that. So pretty much what, I, what we want to do is give you guys some action steps for establishing your starting line. So what we want to do realistically, the first thing that I would advise is that you go and find online a TDEE calculator, which simply is your total daily energy expenditure. Now, disclaimer with this, because it is an online platform. I mean, there's many of them out there. You can Google it. But the reality is you have to understand this is just an estimate of your calories, okay? But it will give you a good starting point if you simply don't know where to start. So that's something that I would just, again, put a disclaimer on and just be mindful of it, but it'll give you a good starting point. So the next thing that you wanna do is plug in your activity level into this calculator online, but this also has a disclaimer. Make sure that you are not putting in your overall goal of your activity. So an example, if you decide that you wanna start a journey like a weight loss journey, or you want to just get in better shape, you know, lose some fat, just get, you know, feel healthier. Don't put what you're expecting to do. So if you don't go to the gym at all, or you go to the gym one day a week, or you work out at home, whatever it is, do not get on that calculator and put, okay, I'm going to put my projected activity level at three to four days a week, because the reality is it may get to that. Yes. Once you start your journey and you start incorporating those habits of going to the gym, but as it sits right now, that is not what you're doing. So do not plug that in there because it will dramatically skew your numbers because number one, guys, what gets, you know, what we need to measure, we need to track. Okay. So what gets measured gets managed. So we have to look at establishing what are we actually eating a day for calories and what is our real activity level right now? Again, just think about that starting line. What is our starting point? So don't overestimate this and it'll fudge your numbers. So that's just a big piece of advice that I can give you. Once you do that, it's basically going to give you calorie, an estimated amount of calories you burn in a day. From there, we can start working on structuring the components of your nutrition. Okay. So I think that's a lot of information for a lot of people, Luke. So, and I know I kind of made some points on it, but if you kind of had to give some tips on just that short version of it, like what are some things that you would tell people? Yeah. So I would say, uh, just being like honest with yourself and trying to find out where you're starting at is really good than trying to like lie and make yourself feel good. You kind of mentioned it where if you work out one day a week, don't go on there and say that you work out three. I know that on some of the TDE calculators, some of the different activity levels are a little bit weird where it'll say like, uh, typically it's like four to six times a week, like strenuous activity and various things like that, where it's kind of subjective. Mm -hmm. So my biggest thing would be, uh, just be like straight up, be honest with it and understand that uh, it could say some insane number. Like if you're someone who's like 6'3 and 350 pounds, like you're probably going to be given like 4,200 calories or something very high for your activity level. And your first thought's probably going to be, I can't eat that much. So don't let the number scare you at the beginning. It could be something very high, it could be something way lower than what you're expecting. But in all actuality, you're probably already around that range, which is what we'll get into next. But just take the number with a grain of salt and understand that you're going to have a plan to prepare for it and understand that it's going to be a process of getting to that number and then altering things from that number. It's not all just going to happen at one time and you're going to be stuck with this number forever. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think you're 100% right. 
So once we go through this equation, guys, you plugged in your numbers, you've plugged in your activity multiplier, your real activity multiplier, and it'll spit out a number that again is an estimated amount of calories that you burn in a day, okay? So then the next thing that we have to look at is what is our goal? Is our goal losing weight? Is it losing fat? Or if it's somebody you know that wants to gain weight, if that could be the goal, or is it just to kind of change our body composition and get a little healthier? You know, there's many different avenues that you can walk down, okay? So we need to establish what the actual goal is for the diet and the programming itself. That what do we want to what do we want to accomplish? All right. And now we're going to touch on kind of undereating and overeating. This is kind of where this plays a factor in, okay? So if you've been dieting for a long period of time, which is like chronic dieting, what that means is you've dieted, you know, maybe you diet for a couple months and then you fall off, you come back on, you diet for a couple months, you try a new diet. This creates kind of a yo-yo pattern. If this sounds familiar and this sounds like the, then this sounds like you, excuse me, then this part's specifically going to be for you. If you're under eating calories, meaning you're eating anywhere between 1200 and 1500 calories a day, which I've done multiple videos on, the reality is you might need to eat a little more and closer to maintenance calories, which pretty much is the number that they're going to spit out. So maintenance simply means you're eating the same amount of calories that you burn. A calorie deficit means that you're eating less than the calories you burn. And a calorie surplus means that you're eating more, okay? So that's a really easy way to kind of look at that analysis. But the reality is if you've been chronically dieting for a long period of time or jumped from diet to diet, the reality that you're going to have to look at is you may have to eat closer to maintenance because you're going to go through something that's called metabolic adaptation. And again, metabolic adaptation is not a very scary thing. It is completely normal. It is a survival mechanism from our body that is needed. What happens is that the body tries to conserve energy, Okay. That's exactly what's going on. So what you're going to see happen is as you go to the gym or you're exercising, you're going to classes or whatever you're doing for your form of chosen exercise, you're going to start burning less and less calories. Okay. And that's the body just simply trying to conserve energy. The way that we combat this, if we've been eating like a chronic dieter is we have to eat a little more. The reality is you're going to give the body the energy it needs for what you're asking it to do and what you're demanding of it, whether it's going to the gym three to four times a week, or it's you live a chronically stressed life. You've got family, kids, a lot of things, you're under stress a lot. You may need a little bit more calories, okay? And that's something to bear in mind and just be completely honest with yourself. So kind of on that topic, man, like what have you seen just, you know, from, and I know, you know, you're a relatively newer coach, but kind of what have you seen just from starting to coaching with clients with monitoring their food or under eating or, you know, even something as simple as protein consumption? What, what have you kind of seen with clients as they've checked in through the weeks and the months? Yeah, I feel like um, a big thing, especially on the nutrition end, is a lot of people tend to undereat, just depending on like your lifestyle and how active you are. Most people aren't really that eating as many calories as they should, and then most people are typically de deficient in some in protein, typically, or people overall are just really deficient in all their macronutrients. What's being deficient in like fat and carbohydrates is going to do really bad things for you in terms of like recovery if, and hormonally if you're really low on fat and if you're running a low fat diet for a very long time it can even lead to death like there have been several people who like in the bodybuilder world you cut down on pretty much everything uh especially or except for like protein towards the end but i've seen several stories online of people who like run no fat diets and it just like they literally die because their body can't handle it um but something i want to talk about that you mentioned earlier is like a lot of people um, 
when they get this TDE number, I would recommend that you track your food for a week or two just to see where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, just because if you are eating, um, like say your TDE calculator gives you 2,500 calories and you're just like, okay, I'm going to eat 2,500 calories, but you were eating 1,400 before you even knew how much you were eating. So if you are to jump 1,100 calories in the span of like two days, your body's going to have some initial results that aren't going to be very good. You're going to be bloated. You're going to kind of feel like you're just cramming food down your face all the time. You're most likely going to be sluggish. You're going to not perform the best. The big thing is when you do start to give your body more of this food from eating in a deficit for so long or from yo-yo dieting is that you're naturally just going to feel yourself moving more. Like uh, we talked about it in another episode, um, your NEAT, your non-exercise active thermogenesis, which is really what makes you lose a lot of the calories and burn cal or lose a lot of the weight and burn calories throughout the day. It's things such as like walking and fidgeting and stuff like that. When you put your body in a surplus or more towards maintenance, just naturally you begin to fidget, you begin to walk more and you begin to expend more energy because you have that surplus of energy now. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly in that reductive state, you're gonna, own, you're gonna be burning significantly less calories. For some people, it varies a lot. There are a lot of studies out there um, talking about how many calories your NEAT actually burns throughout the day. For some people, it's like thousands of calories a day. For other people, it's only a couple hundred. So if you're in this place of constantly restricting yourself, and you go and decide that you're going to splurge back up to maintenance, you could, instead of getting this good and adaptive, like slight movement and s slow burn of calories, you could end up just end up being really sluggish and be tired all the time because you're now in an 1100 boost that your body wasn't ready for. Yeah. And a really simple analogy that, you know, that I, I've used with clients for years is if you think about it, like getting on a track, okay, imagine and picture yourself on a track. If you take off on a dead sprint, how long are you really going to be able to maintain that sprint? Not very long, right? Eventually, you're going to need to slow down to catch your breath. So you're going to slow down to a jog, and then you're going to slow down to a walk. You catch your breath, and then you go back into a sprint. Make sense? Your metabolism is very, very similar. So you cannot ask your metabolism to sprint full-time all the time. And the sprint, as an example, would be like an extreme calorie deficit or like yo-yo dieting, right? So what happens is if you actually ask the body to do that, what you're going to see happen is you're going to have, you know, metabolic adaptation and down regulation. So what you're missing in the component of that is you're not giving the body a chance to relax. You're not bringing the body back up to maintenance calories. Like Luke said, slowly progressing it back up to maintenance and then running that for a certain period of time, which would be kind of like your walk. Okay. That's going to give your body a break. That's going to give your metabolism a break. And then you can go back into a sprint. Then you can take off again by running a deficit. And this is kind of going into our next topic. This is what's called periodization, which is a really fancy name for cycling calories. So kind of touch on that a little bit, Luke, and then I'll kind of give my opinion too. Give my on periodization. Yeah. Yeah. So basically with periodization, it's really important to cycle your body through these phases. Like you always talk about and have mentioned before, especially in the sprint analogy, like you can't sprint for forever. So to give yourself little breaks, is gonna be not only good for the end all result, but it's gonna be really good for yourself like mentally. So if you're in a, let's say 600 calorie deficit, you can, running that year round, you're not gonna be able to see like muscle growth as well as you could. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna be able to get a lot of the physiological benefits. And overall, your life's kinda gonna be shitty. Like a lot of uh, the stuff that we preach with our clients is like the 80-20 rule, like 80% good food, like 20% the foods that you want. 
so that that way you still kind of have this leeway in your diet and also overall it's depending on what your goal is like if your goal is to be like lean year round you kind of have to have the idea or understand that a lot of the things that you see t people typically talk about in the gym you're not going to be able to achieve if you're someone who's constantly in a deficit one you're going to have physiological like things happen like hormone levels are going to end up being messed up energy is going to be messed up most likely like digestion and all these things are kind of going to be out of whack mm -hmm. and also in the gym like your performance is going to suffer like if you're someone who wants to let's say from a girl's perspective like get a big butt but you are in a 600 calorie deficit year round that struggle is going to be enormous compared to simply eating at maintenance and training properly or eating in a slight surplus and taking yourself through a bulk and a cut so mm -hmm. staying at this restrictive calorie level and never cycling doesn't really allow you to maximize the results that you could get on a physical standpoint. Yeah. And and I, I think, man, that that kind of goes down to a whole other thing, which we can do an episode on, which we see with clients constantly is just the relationship with the scale, man. You know, figuring out how many calories you need to eat and taking your body through that. So basically going from a deficit closer to maintenance and slowly kind of building that back up, you know, the scale statistically we might it might not change but it might go up and i think that's one of the things a lot of people really struggle with is running through that program and that process which is just in the 13 years that that i've coached guys i think that's one of the main reasons why people don't cycle their calories correctly is because they're trying to either maintain a physique year round or they're not giving themselves the break needed that is you know honestly going to produce the longer term results that they're looking for and everybody's trying to get there and just sprint again. Remember the track analogy and they're just sprinting and sprinting and sprinting, but never taking a break. Um, yeah, uh, go ahead, one thing I wanted to say is that in regards to like the scale and especially body composition, you have no idea what your body will look like at a certain amount of weight. You could see someone on Instagram who says that they weigh 130 pounds and they have the body that you desire. You have no idea if you will look like that at 130 pounds. So putting such arbitrary emphasis on um, the scale and putting so much like power into simply three numbers is not good for anyone's mental, but mm -hmm. it's also just sets unrealistic goals for yourself. And in this journey, it is very, it's as much, it's arguably more mental than it is physical. So to set yourself up for these downfalls is just gonna end up ruining your progress long-term. So in all actuality, you have no idea what you look like when you are X amount of weight. So instead of focusing on that, focus on physical composition, other things like that, that we can talk about in another episode. But I just wanted to get that out there while we're on the subject. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's a really good point, man, because you're right. It's just like, and I'll just use another really simple story that, that I tell clients is, imagine you walked in, we'll say a high school reunion, just for argument's sake. You go to a high school reunion and you see somebody you haven't seen in years, right? And say you've been through a little bit of a, tr a transformation journey you look different, um, you know, you either have more muscle, you've lost fat, you, you know, you just feel good and you look good, right? There's not a single human being on the planet that's gonna ask you what you weigh. I promise you there's not. They're not gonna come up to you and be like, oh my God, you look great, what do you weigh right now? Nobody's gonna say that. Now they might ask you how much weight have you lost, but there no, no one I'm telling you, I promise you, no one's gonna come up and be like, what do you weigh right now? I promise you that's just not a social thing and you're not gonna encounter it. So. That's a really easy thing to talk about, but it's another thing to really put emphasis on the number on the scale. And I know that's easier said than done. I do. If, if someone is under eating, right, or maybe they track their calories and they're overeating, and that's kind of what we're, you know, we see both people, right? People will track their calories for two weeks and they're like, oh my God, I need to be eating this to lose weight, but I'm actually overeating or somebody that, you know, has chronic dieted 
It's been, I've been under eating at 1200, 1500 calories for the last four years. You know what I mean? I've just kind of been off and on a little bit. So realistically, if somebody is under eating, you know, from a coaching standpoint, and you can give your opinion, I can give mine. What are some action steps that they can take? I mean, obviously we've told them the TDE calculator, getting familiar with the numbers, getting your starting line. But really, if you, if you do identify with that, like what are some steps that you can take to kind of fix it? Yeah. So from like an under eating or even an overeating standpoint, I think, like I mentioned earlier, tracking where you're at and finding out where you need to go is a big difference. So like I said, based off my explanation earlier, like if you are at 1100 calories of a difference, so say you're supposed to be at 2500 and you're at 1400, you're eating 1400, you need to be at 2500 calories for maintenance. Um, or if you're at 3,600 calories, you need to be at 2,500 calories for maintenance. So on either end of these spectrums, whether you're lower or higher, and finding out where you're initially at, the first step I would say is make sure that the quality of food that you're getting is good. So make sure that you're not eating like 2,500 calories worth of junk food trying to get to there. So if you're at like a, if you're at 1,400 calories and you want to fill this 1,100 calorie gap, don't fill it with like four pop tarts. I'm not sure if that's 1,100 calories, but don't just try to think, oh, I can just fill it with junk or something like that. Eat whole foods, eat foods that are good for you and nutritious, and try to gradually fill that gap with there. I wouldn't recommend doing like five or 600 calorie surpluses initially. Start with like simply adding in like 250 to 300 calories initially into your diet. Take some biofeedback things such as like if you wanna do measurements on your body, that could work. If you want to check the scale, that could work as well. But taking in things such as just like how you're feeling, how your sleep's going, how your performance is going, and things like that, and assessing your appetite, how hungry you are when you wake up, how hungry you are when you go to bed, if your stomach actually growls, if you actually get hungry. So taking all these things into assessment, you can then gradually begin to either increase or decrease your calories, 250 to 300 calories, weekly or bi-weekly, depending on the biofeedbacks. And from there, it can help you reach this baseline point. Instead of doing an 1,100 calorie jump in one week, you could take a month to a month and a half, depending on the biofeedbacks, and reach 1,200 calories, and your body will most likely be functioning better, your digestion will be better, your energy levels will be more consistent, and your body will be ready and have adapted to this, and then you can push it past that threshold if you desire, or lower depending on which range of the spectrum you are on, instead of being stuck at that 2,500 calorie level and being like, damn, my stomach's jacked up, my digestion's jacked up, I can't sleep well and all these things instead of just taking the slow time to get it it's not going to be a fast thing it's not going to be instantaneous when switching up your diet regardless of which way you go yeah and and i think you know you did hit the nail on the head with actually what what makes up the components of the diet and we're big advocates for wanting to build sustainability with your dieting program so you're not you're not going to hear me talk about you know you need to eat whole nutritious foods yeah of course right but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy the occasional treat of what you want with that 80 20 rule the biggest thing is if you look at what you're actually, you know, your metabolism, which you talked about in the previous episode, remember, your thermic effect of food makes up a component of how many calories you burn in a day. That is part of whole nutritious foods, your protein consumption, and that's kind of the next topic that we want to cover real quick for you guys. Okay, so you have your numbers, you've established, do I need to eat more? Do I need to eat less? Do I need to eat at maintenance? Where am I at? Okay, so now that I have that idea, how do I make up my diet? So that's what we're going to talk about. And your diet is going to consist of calories, obviously. But it's going to consist of protein, it's going to consist of carbs, and it's going to consist of fat, obviously fiber too, but protein, carbs, and fat are your macros, okay? So for Luke, and you can weigh in, then I'll weigh in. 
if I'm sitting at my computer or my phone and I've done these numbers, I have my starting point, depending on my goal, what I think is best, how do I go about structuring my diet from protein, carbs, and fat? Yeah, so for the basic person, depending on, obviously, to preface all this, there's going to be variables that we don't know, that we don't control, depending on how your uh, like body digest fats versus carbs versus proteins versus starches, all these different things. There's a lot of variables in there, so a lot of it is playing around and figuring out what works. So basically, when you get to the point of understanding it, um, and when you realize that there is a difference in all of these things, some things to take into consideration is the typical uh, everyday person can always use high protein. And so basically the rule of thumb is anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2. If you are someone who is looking to put on more muscle or someone who is looking to do a dieting phase, you already have a decent amount of muscle on you, that number can be significantly higher than 1.2. So basically from that range, it's protein is about uh, 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, putting yourself in that 220 to 240 range is towards the top end of that threshold and putting yourself in that 160 to 180 range would be towards the lower end of that threshold. The ways that you can assess this is like digestion, also understanding the quality of the protein, things like that are, uh, should be taken into consideration when dealing with um, high volumes of protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you initially have your protein discovered, the next thing that I would recommend moving on to is your fat percentage. So you should already have your total calorie amount from the TDEE calculator. From there, you can have your protein amount, which would be X amount of grams. Multiply that by four, and you will get the amount of calories that that is. Um, up next would be fats. Um, so if you're a male, I wouldn't recommend going below 20% of your overall caloric intake in mm-hmm. fats. If you're a female, I wouldn't recommend going below 25%. So just to make this easy on my head, if you're a male who's supposed to eat 2,000 calories, 20% of that would be 400 calories worth. Divide that by nine, and you're going to get whatever number, not getting it off the top of my head, probably like 36 or something like that, I believe. Let's find out. Yeah. I believe around 36 or something like that, yes. maybe 37. Yeah, so uh, 400 divided by 9 is 44.44. 44. Way off. Thought I could do math. I guess not. So anyways, if you are at that point, you get about 44, which multiply that by 9, you're going to get back up to that 400 range, which is going to be the total calories. Then I would take the total calories that we have from uh, protein derived earlier from our body weight, add that to the fat number that we just got, subtract those two, add those two numbers, get their total, subtract them from the total number given to you by the TDEE calculator, and then get that number that is left over. So say it is the 400 calories and you do weigh 200 calories, so you're at 240, you're at about 1,000 to 1,100 calories with your protein and fat added together. You're then going to take the leftover 900-ish calories and divide that by four to get total carbohydrate intake. So carbs are four calories, proteins four calories, fats nine calories. So you're gonna find your body weight, multiply it by a variable from 0.8 to 1.2 to get your total uh, grams of protein, multiply that by four to get total calories, take your fat, multiply the total calories that you got from your TDE calculator, by 0.2 if you're a guy, 0.25 if you're a girl, get that number, divide it by nine, add those two numbers together, and then subtract them from the total and divide it by four to get your carbs. 
Seems like a lot of math. It's not really, um, but that's just how I would typically do a baseline just in this situation. Obviously, like I said, there's a lot more things to consider, like how your body accepts carbs, what your oxidation rate is, what your goals are, um, but those are all way too many variables to get into right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a lot, man. That was a lot. And, and guys, this episode is a little longer than, than what we're shooting for. Ideally, we're trying to keep them between 15, 20 minutes, so they're short. You guys can digest them. This one just needs a little bit more attention because it is such a huge topic, and it's something that we want you guys to use kind of as a staple to get some guidance. So the reality of what Luke just took you guys through is calculating your protein, your carbs, and your fat, okay? Now, you can use apps like MyFitnessPal to do this, but disclaimer, I would strongly encourage you to sit down and do the math yourself. What you're going to find out from a lot of calculators is that the math can be a little off. Okay. So just do the math yourself. If you need help with it, you know, obviously we're here to help, but you can also, you know, reach out to a coach of any other kind and, you know, some, you can get some guidance on that if you really, really want to go the extra step, but you can do this math yourself at home. All right. But the reality is what Luke said from fat content and stuff like that percentages can vary. All right. And that's another disclaimer that I want to tell everybody, which Luke kind of touched on that there's a lot of factors that go into this, but if you just want a starting point, realistically like which luke does 20 to 25 like for most people i try to get mine's a little bit more technical for fast i try to do 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight right and you don't have to do that math on top of your head but basically fats influence a lot right about what we do and then so does protein so if you're looking to actually accomplish a goal your protein needs to be number one first and foremost you've got to prioritize protein and a lot of people struggle with this you've got to be able to prioritize your protein and what you're eating then you've got to prioritize your fat because that's going to keep your hormone levels pretty good. It also helps with digestion and some other stuff that we don't have to get into. And then carbs, and it is the only you know macro that is actually non-essential, meaning you can survive without carbohydrates. That's what we're going to put in last. But they do have a place for energy. They have a place for training, for recovery. So they do have a, they do have a place that you know they're important. So that's going to cover all three of our macros. And then the only other thing, final step that we want to do for you guys is really focus on movement. Movement is probably the most underrated thing for client results. I'm here to tell you right now, in 13 years of experience, that is what I've seen. Nutrition is something you can, you can add up, you can give resources, you can give diet programs, you can give all this stuff, right? There's countless resources out there. What a coach cannot do for you is make you more active, okay? So if you have a relatively sedentary lifestyle, even adding a walk one to two times a day, playing with your kids more, going to the gym and walking, doing cardio, getting up and moving, taking the stairs, parking further away from the store. These are all things that you can do to, in order to increase your NEAT, which we talked about in the last episode, right? Your non-exercise activated thermogenesis because it is a large component of the calories you burn a day in your metabolism. That is something that we cannot help you with. And I mean, other than really us being there with you and forcing you to do it. But again, if you're trying to do this on your own, Figure out your daily habits, figure out your schedule, and try to prioritize as much as you can getting more movement. And then uh, I know I talked about that, but do you have any points on that, buddy, real quick? Uh, yeah. So if you're someone who um, is significantly under eating and you're like, I have no appetite, I am not hungry enough to fill in this 1,000-calorie gap that I've been in. Mm -hmm. Adding in more movement, more cardio, and forcing yourself to do things is going to spike your appetite and make you actually hungry because you're going to be burning calories. As I mentioned earlier, if you are significantly depriving yourself for extended periods of time, your NEAT is going to just kind of fall off the face of the earth. That's something that Gage mentioned that is really important for calorie loss, but having yourself 
in this significant deficit and not being active, of course you're not going to be feeling hungry or anything like that because your body is not burning any calories. It is in a quote-unquote survival mode. But basically, if you are someone who is struggling with losing weight and you're under eating, definitely adding in more movement is going to spike your metabolism and make you, not spike your metabolism, it's going to spike your appetite, excuse me, and make you feel hungrier, thus making you eat closer towards maintenance and eat reach that equilibrium. But also just if you're not in that position, just move more. Like your bodies are designed to move through multiple planes of movement. Like you should be going on walks, you should be walking, like playing with kids if you have them. Go play a sport with your friends if you have friends. Go to the gym and don't just be stuck on machines, like move around, do some sort of multi-planes of movement. The body is designed to move. So if you aren't moving around daily, you're doing yourself a disservice both physiologically and from a like weight loss perspective. Completely, completely. And you know, I think that's a really good point, man, for the listeners is it's just, Guys, we're designed to move. Like our ancestors were very mobile. I'm, you know, that's obvious. But any more modern day society, you know, people have become more sedentary. I know, you know, the big C word has played a huge part in it and making people work from home and making people just more sedentary in general. Activity has kind of gone out the window. We can now, you know, we have Netflix, we have, you know, games, we have PlayStation, we have Xboxes, we have VR headsets, we have all this stuff. But the reality is you can still prioritize movement in your everyday life by doing something that is different because why that's important, the movement that you do now and how you live your lifestyle, the body is used to it. Okay. And that goes back to that metabolic adaptation. Okay. If we want to incorporate changing our body composition, we have to change the stimulus, changing the stimulus. Like Luke just talked about could be something as simple as playing a sport. It could be taking a walk. It could be parking your car further from the store, getting more steps in. You are changing the stimulus and the demand you're placing on your body to perform a certain function. That by itself will force an adaptation. What you will see happen is the body will burn more calories because you're asking it to do more movement. Does that make sense? So that's something that you have to pair with just your diet. Don't just solely focus on a diet, right? There's other components, but those are the top two things that we can tell you guys. We walked you through how to figure out your TDEE, how to figure out how to eat, address undereating, addressed overeating, give you some real action steps that you can implement today, figuring out your macros, which the math is a little complicated. I get that, but I promise you, you guys can do it and I would encourage you to do it. And then looking at your daily activity and your lifestyle, and then really focusing on getting more movement. And you do those two things and I promise you, you'll have a really good starting point and you'll be well on your way to actually achieving the transformation that you want. But the last thing that I would want to say is understand that regardless of where you're at and where you want to be, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but to simply reiterate, it is all a mental battle. Like how much food you're going to be, you're going to be hungry if you're trying to lose weight and you're cutting down from where you are. There are going to be times when it is hard to eat, when you know that you should eat. There are going to be times when it's hard to say no to food. The biggest thing is understand that it is a long journey and a long process absolutely it is not something that you just like wake up one day and you're like today i'm gonna eat healthy and then expect yourself to be five pounds down tomorrow this is a long-term lifestyle change it is rather cliche and annoying to sit here and be like fitness is a lifestyle but it really is like there are times when you're like i'm not gonna go out and get mcdonald's on the way home i'm not gonna go and eat with my friends i'm not gonna go eat a third plate 
um, even though I like I can, even though I have the opportunity to, I'm going to say no. There are times when it's going to be a restrictive process, but it is going to be a long journey and it's going to be hard at times. So having that in your head and being prepared for that instead of the first time you reach a little difficult time or like you're hungry or the scale doesn't move that week. Don't just give up. Keep going at that point and understand that months, maybe even years down the line, you're going to thank yourself for sticking with it and understanding that it is a slow burning process. But anything that is good is going to take a long time to achieve. Mm -hmm. Anything that you want to happen really fast is most likely not going to be sustainable and not be a good product. Yeah, no. And again, man, I think that was a really good closing point. And that's that's really something which Luke said. It is kind of infuriating how ironic it is and kind of how cliche it sounds, but really he hit the nail on the head, guys. You know, in order to make these lifestyle changes, and again, it is a lifestyle change, but the reality that you have to face when you look in the mirror is like, okay, if I decide I wake up and I want to achieve this goal, do I have the habits? Do I have the discipline? And do I have the drive to actually do it long term? This is why most diets are short term fixes because they can keep people's attention for two weeks or four weeks or something like that, right? The reality is as soon as you do that crash diet, 80 plus percent of people will gain the lost weight back and even more will gain more than they actually lost. So do yourself a favor, nip that in the butt, understand that it's a longer process. Remember a marathon and not to sprint. You're gonna have to cycle calories, but you can do it and it's something that you can accomplish.